Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. It's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western Force, Global Rapid Rugby and the game we love. Well, hello, everyone. Nice to have your company wherever you may be listening. And a big thank you to the telecomshop.com who have come on board as our official headset sponsor. So if you need to upgrade or replace your telephone system or need headsets or handsets, make sure you visit the telecomshop.com. So a big thanks to Danny all the way from Kalamunda for his support and sporting their new telecomshop.com headsets for episode 11. None other than Mitch Hardy and Heath Tespin. And Mitch, you're looking a million dollars. Yeah, got the uh, the base sweater on tonight, Mick, and uh, we're all rugged up here over in Perth. It's been a bit uh, wet and windy for us all, but uh, looking forward to having a great rugby wrap tonight. And Tess, I never thought I'd see anyone looking better than Britney Spears with one of those headsets, but you've proved me wrong. Yeah, and oh, well, you know, you, you're doing a pretty good justice as well yourself, but even more importantly, you're sounding so loud and clear. <laughs> now, last week, former All Black and Western Force second rower Jeremy Thrush took some time out to have tea time with Tess, and Tess out of he's got two webbed toes on each foot. He played the saxophone when he was younger, and he's got a tattoo of a Hurricanes logo on his body, which is the lie. I'd like to know which one you think first. I would have thought uh, the saxophone. The saxophone, Mitchy. Well, given given that he's from New Zealand, I I <laughs> thought the the truth was that he's got webbed toes. He definitely does have two webbed toes, but he did play yeah, the saxophone yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what he was the line then? So he hasn't got um he hasn't got a Hurricanes logo tattooed anywhere on his body, and I personally inspected him just to make sure. There you go. Well, plenty of room for a Western Force one then after he's winning the NRC last year. There's a First long leg. The there's a lot of room on those thighs. Yeah. Uh, we'll have another episode of Tea Time with Tess later on in the show. Well, Penny continues to happen in the world of rugby. We've got rumours of scrums being abolished, players being stood down, and the most talked about competition in Australian rugby history is back in the news again this week. And one man who's on top of all of that is the Australian Rugby's Director of Rugby, Scott Johnson. And Jono, thanks for your time on the Rugby Wrap. Nice to be here, guys. Nice to see you all. Now, there's plenty that we'd like to discuss, we will discuss, but if we can go back to the start, your position is a new one in Australian rugby. How did it come about? I was offered it. <laughs> That's the first one. That's the first time. It's probably, um, no, it's, it's history, if you will. It's probably a British thing, if you will. Um, it's very common in, the, in Europe where the director of rugby oversees the programs and you like. I, I suppose it's, it's there for a reason. It probably looks uh, longer term as well. It's got a short term focus, but it has a longer term view of the game. I think the coach is allowed to then get on and coach and looks after the day-to-day issues. So rather than just be dependent on one individual and these plans for that time, it's a overriding view of life in general in the sport and making sure that you have long-term success. So that's the, that's where the genesis come from. I've been doing the same in Scotland for some time. There was an opportunity. They asked me to do it. They wanted to change their structure. It interested me and I said, yes, simple. So, so how will they judge the success of your role? Is it just purely on Wallaby's performances? No, I think mate, I, in, that's a component of it. There's no doubt. But it will also be the younger players coming through. I think if they both merge into one, they should feed off each other. We need to, to, to be successful. We need to retain the best young talent we can, we can find. We need to identify them first. We need to retain them. And we need to coach them properly. So there's pathways for coaches and players. And we need to make sure there's a lot of components. We have good Aussie coaches in our system that come through our system. There's good young Aussie players that are vibrant and can keep our system alive and the Wallabies keep, sort of keep uh, performing. That also includes, if you will, the women's game and the, and the men's sevens. And the, so 
it's quite a, a significant remit when you take it over the whole business. Mm. So I'd like to think there's improvement in all streams. So Michael Chicka came out during the week and said that he, he thought he should have resigned when you were appointed. Did, did that surprise you? Uh, no, no. Look, the, the, all those things are his own opinion. I don't think um, Chek was about uh, just my appointment or that position. It was more that it probably felt that uh, I think somebody told me that he, he, he felt that he lost support. Um, but no, nah, it doesn't surprise me. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Because, so, and so the new Wallaby coach, Dave Rennie, has he worked under that, like worked under a director of rugby before? And is he happy to do that in Australia? Well, he's accepted the job. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's accepted that as the first thing. Um, it was similar to what the role was in Scotland, you know, like uh, two teams reported um, into the director of rugby, which was Glasgow and Edinburgh at that time. Um, obviously, our relationship was part of the big push to get him here. I knew him. I thought he fit the bill. He fit the process and he'd get on with coaching. And, uh, and so, mate, you'd have to ask him that, but he accepted the jobs and the terms. So I, I can only presume it's yes. So if, if there's a situation and, the, and the, the head coach wants it one way and you want it the other way, who wins? Uh, I, when I, give us the situation. Oh, I say on, on the selection. No, well, that, see, that I'm a, at the currently stand, I'm a selector, I'm a firm believer uh, that selecting, in any selecting process, it is um, the role of the other selectors, and this is my role, is just to make sure that we've crossed all the T's and dotted every I, that's what it is. If he's vehement and he can win the argument, it's no different to check, he won the argument. It's our job to make sure that we've got checks and balances, that's all. And so he's just got to fight for his right. But I'm a genuine believer that the coach gets his gets the team that he fights for most. Now, in those discussions, you want it vibrant, you want it in-depth, you want it to be challenged. I mean, if he can find up an ad adequate defence that's logical and makes sense, he wins. And that, so that's the same if it's a playing style? Same thing, if he's got a yeah, good yeah, argument? Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, it's just checks and balances. That's what it's all really about. And to make sure, in some cases, that I align with what he's doing to the younger, younger players, that we understand there. So... It's cohesive process, you know, even from a physical standpoint, you know, what, what's expected at the top level, we've got to make sure that's enforced at the bottom level too. It's understood. It's got to be aligned. So the whole process in our business got to, has to be aligned. We can't be producing X type of athletes and expecting them to play a different type of game that suits them. So we've got to be aligned in that. So it's getting to know what his requests are, but make no bones about it. He, he's coaching that national team. And one of the one of the questions we had a question from uh, Jeff, one of the one of the listeners. He said that you've got your role, Dave Rennie. You've got Scotty Wisemantle, um, as a backs coach. Matt Taylor's defence. I think Nathan Gray is a high performance coach. Are there too many coaches for the for the team? Yeah. Well, I won't be coaching, so you can reel me out of that list. I'm not coaching the team as it currently stands. We've got Matt Taylor as defence coach, as it stands, Scott Wiseman as backs coach, and Dave Rennie's head coach. So, and we probably will put on a forwards coach in the relationship to Nathan Gray. Um, I fought for that position before the pandemic because he'd been in that system quite a, uh, quite a long period, uh, coaching Wallabies, Waratahs and the like. I thought there was talent. And one of the criticisms that we have in our system is that we've just let talent go, mm -hmm. if you will. We had an opportunity to put him with the Sunballs some will come to an agreement with us. So it continued his development as a coach, part of his development as a pathway coach. 
we we had a significant amount of coaches coming off contract in certain periods of the year. So we were using that and where he could add to the system and both the men and women's programs to develop him as a coach. So he's slightly different to that. He's in the panel of coaches that go through from our juniors to to our senior levels, but not with the Wallabies. So it's slightly different. So if you're mm -hmm. talking just purely Wallabies, at the moment, they've only got three coaches. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. With that side of things, Jono, is it, is it, how's it working with the state coaches then as far as that, that overall structure that you're talking about before, but also with the coaching side of things? Obviously, there's a few challenges there with the current restrictions, but how, how does it all knit together when you're talking about a Wallaby coaching team that's, that's scattered and a state coaching team that's scattered as well? Well, there's, at the moment, it's uh, like it's, at the moment, you'd like to think, like I've always said this, guys, we're in a people's business and we've got to know people. And the best way to do it is form relationships. With all the people you're talking about, are pretty good um, people. I think most people know them and they've got you know, a good way about them. Dave hasn't hit our shores yet, but there's been dialogue. There's regular meetings with our coaches. There's a club, um, our super rugby teams have committed to a four-year aligned uh, agreement that covers off some physical testing. So there's some alignment, not just from a rugby. We believe there should be differences within our provincial teams, but there's parameters of which we want our athletes tested. And you know, since hey, uh, um, HP, high performance protocols that they've all agreed. So we don't want a centralized pro, um, process, we want an aligned process. So there's, at the end of the day, we want the Wallabies the best they can and be prepared. What we're working together is having a little bit more unifi unification in our outlook for that. And um, that comes with good dialogue and good discussion. So the four general managers meet with me once a week. We get updates of where everything is. Dave's on board, you know, he's meeting with the coaches probably once a fortnight via phone. I've had a lot of Zoom meetings as everyone, everyone's probably been doing and we've been discussing a lot of um, things pertaining to rugby and or coaching. So it's about investing in our coaches. If we show we care, they seem to care back. And uh, I can honestly say we've, we've spoken about law reform, we've spoken about coaching processes. They've all been involved, when I say all, all the coaches in our provincial teams. And we've had more dialogue in the last probably six months than probably ever before. So when you look at what Australia was reviewed upon many years ago, it was probably the great acumen, the, great, the bright side of rugby. That's how it was re reviewed about in the world. We've probably dropped our guard somewhat when it comes to coaching development. And now the only way, one, we have to acknowledge that we probably can get better, which we're doing. And secondly, investing time and effort into our coaches. And off the back of that, Jono, you have also having a look at our playing style and how, how we want to be perceived as a, as a rugby playing nation. Well, if you look independently, I do like um, that. That's an interesting one because I do like differences within our system. Um, you know, I don't mind the fact that the Brumbies are known as a great mauling side. I don't mind that. It separates us from somebody if the Waratahs are more expansive or attempting to be that. I like the difference because I think we need all skills. We need to be, you know, when we're tested at international rugby, we need to have a group of guys that can do different sets of skills. So I don't mind that. What I'm more concerned about is that we're adequately prepared physically to, for the games at an international level. So there's a, there's, um, there will be crossover because I learned long, long time ago off Rod McQueen as a young coach. Um, you know, as a young coach, you think you invented air into rugby balls um, and you think you've got all the ideas. The reality is any good idea you'll only retain 
for that year because if it's any good, the players will take on to the higher level and have it introduced. You know, great coaches are the greatest plagiarists there ever has been. So if we actually get to accept that, we'll get better. You have the idea for a temporary um, period and then it's your challenge to get better and improve. That's the challenge. Um, I'd, I'd like to think that we get to a stage where we get in the room and feel comfortable to challenge the ideas because that could only yeah. make us better. And if it would be great to challenge how the Brumbies mall and be, you know, and if they then have to improve it, that's great. They move along and we get to challenge. And that's just an example of if it pertains to scrums, it's the same thing. So I want to encourage that we're a bit, we can challenge, you know, we can put things out there to be cross-examined. And uh, I learned that. I struggled with it at first, but I realised with age and a bit of grey hair, it makes you better. Yeah, great. Tess, did you have any comment? You're an aspiring young coach as well as aspiring Wallaby. <laughs> What's your thoughts on uh, what Jono's talking about there? Yeah, well, just, I mean, I'm loving all the talk about helping our coaches improve and developing them. And probably a question for me was just going to be along the lines of not only myself, but for all those community coaches out there and aspiring coaches, what are the three things that you think that you would have them focus on if they were trying to build and and to get to the highest level they could coach at? Mate, I always mean you've got to be authentic as a coach. Uh, one size doesn't all fit. It doesn't. So you've got to be true to what you believe, you know, how you want to do things. Um, I don't think, um, as a coach, I've always believed that nothing's wrong. It's only different. Uh, and the art of coaching is getting... Um, 23 players, if you will, or a squad to agree on doing something. And it usually, even if it's wrong, it usually becomes right because there's uniformity to it, right? So I think the art of coaching, one of the things that I've struggled with probably in this generation, if you go back to my generation, is they were teaching strong rugby secondary, but the gap between the two wasn't that great. What I've seen with the coaches coming through now today very, very strong in the rugby, very strong. Not that there's a too big a gap between the actual teaching of the actual teaching process. We're going to close that gap. So if you are strong on one or the other, you've got to close the gap. So if you're strong as a teacher, you've got to close the gap and make the rugby component strong. And if it's the other way, vice versa. So it depends on what type you fit on that. But the, the reality is, though, basic skills, Kick, pass, tackle and clean out. If you got that, most things can be done. What about as a player then? What about I'm a, a, a mid-30s aspiring wallaby? What, what, um, what's my pathway as a Western Force player to end up wearing the green and gold? A mid-30s? <laughs> mid? Careful, Jono. Mid-ish. You should have said you're 29, hey? <laughs> yeah, late 20s. <laughs> Yeah, too honest. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, no. The pathway is always there if you're good enough. If, you know, like you'd like to think now with the Perth coming in. Like we looked at a couple of Perth players last year, even in, in the pre the World Cup. So they're always getting viewed. Um, one, I always believe that the players have got to, they, they don't realise who's looking at them and when they're looking at them. Um, and so you go to training, you do your best, test results are in, you know, there's a, there's uh, physical demands of the game and it's important that we know that people can do it. It's not the be-all and end-all of a rugby player. It means that you understand what they're, they're, where they are. 
are they the athlete they should be or could be? And then it's like everything, their pathway is performance. You perform well, people look at you. That's the way it is. Just coming back, Jono, you talked about that you'd been in close with the, the coaches. Is the Western Force sort of coach in, in that sort of dialogue that you've been having to the same well, extent? Look, in, 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 we've, we've run, I've, I've run a series of CPD days, which um, for the last probably six weeks, I suppose, three or four weeks, five weeks, whatever it was, the Western Force were all involved in every one of those or invited. And so in some of our, our coaches are actually overseas. Um, they're all invited to that. Um, in the, in the, I made them do, or uh, we did a project that they had to participate. They went over a two-week period and they had to present to a panel. Western Force boys were in that. And to be fair, um, it was the theme was coaching international, or welcome to international rugby. So they had to coach a team. Uh, they didn't know. I, 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 um, I gave them the team that they were coaching. They didn't know the game. Um, and we all did it in front of each other. The Western Force boys actually turned up for the game, the match day, which was a, a real match. They didn't know who that was until the day of the uh, recording. They turned up in suits. Because I was a test match, so it was, and they've been a big part of it. It's important that you do that because, and that applies to the boys overseas as well. Like uh, whether it's Stephen Larkham or Friendy or Les Kiss, they've been part of that because one of the big drivers I have, I have, I want Australia, as I keep saying, to be the bright, bright ones. You know, it, it helped me. You know, when I first started going overseas, and I had an Australian accent, I got a leg up. You know, and um, even when you went out in the pitch, the Wallabies had a leg up because perception was were really bright and I don't want to lose that I want to bring it back and so for me it's a big driver so that's a long-winded way of saying the Perth boys are integral to all that they're part of that process and have been. So that that kind of leads us on to this this uh, domestic competition that that's been talked about for a long time um, there was some press releases come out today that, that the Western Force have now signed are you excited about the prospect of those the five Australian sides playing against <coughs> each other in a competition absolutely mate I think that it's um, look needs must it may, it may be because of the predicament we've all found ourselves in but um, there's, it's, it gives a great opportunity for us to actually uncover new people put likes, like against like and um, I really like the fact that it's um, it's very very um, competitive and it brings back the rivalry and it's it actually tests us and sees what, see where we are and it, who knows where it all leads you know it's um, so it's a really good opportunity they say don't waste the crisis and it's a really good time to take it on board so I'm really looking forward to it because it's now everyone in mm. and that's a good place to be. Because I knew you weren't around when the Western Force were cut. Obviously, it's it's still something that West Australians take very hard and and very personally. If you had been around and a bloke came and knocked on your door, he might have been five minutes late, but he had $50 million in his pocket. Would you have turned him away? Oh, mate, that, that's getting a bit out of my remit here, old mate. But I can tell you, put it this way, I like the smell of the money. How's that? You know, like... Uh, um, Look, at the end of the day, I, I won't make a comment on people's decisions because uh, they, they were there. They, I think everyone's job's easy until you actually have to do it yourself. So, um, and I won't speak on behalf of uh, the decisions that made, but, um, I, you know, if a person had the money and they could support the game, it would be hard. It would be hard, but I can't. I don't know how, the, the background of all that, mate. Ever the diplomat. But you're obviously glad that, that he's kept the Western Force going. 
Oh, mate, it's great for rugby. What I love about the West, and it surprised me, every time I go, I've been going over down a rugby front for a bit and, uh, uh, you know, since back with the Wallabies in 2006 or whatever. I'm always surprised of how intense the rugby is over there and how mm. big it is. It has its, uh, you know, it has its own um, life form, if you will, that is great to see. It's a surprise because when I get went over there as a young guy, it was inundated with AFL and the like, so you... You know, I always assumed it was that, but it's it's amazing. And, it, and and even when I've gone over in the last year or so and watched a couple of the rapid rugby games, uh, it just never ceases to be surprised in a positive. It's a positive yeah. surprise, and it's I really like the fact you know that people like the game, and um, the game's been good to me, Mick, as you know, and it's just good to people sit and watch and want to be passionate about it. Yeah. I love people that are passionate. You know, that's what drives it. Everyone can tell you the negative and what's wrong with life or whatever. I don't want to spend too much time around those people. Yeah. I want to be people that are positive in life and actually make a valuable contribution. And so when I go across to the West, I can't help but be captivated by the people involved. I've got close to a lot of the people over there from the, you know, the chairman down of West Australia and the coaches. And I just love the passion and the drive. It's hard not to be... Um, it's hard not to be dragged into it as a, as a positive thing. So it's good. And what about player retention, Jono? Like um, you win a few and lose a few. And obviously we lost a few um, last week. But what's, um, what's your thoughts on how we retain our best talent and how we have a viable sort of competition to keep them here in Australia and also be able to maybe attract a few back, but also encapsulate those Australians playing overseas in, in your plans for the future? Well, there's a few there's a few things that we've got to consider here, and I mean, um, the issues that we're confronting is not just isolated to Australian shores. It isn't. It's a it's a worldwide issue. And if you look at the issue, how it's affecting the north, I'm on the the blower to to the north quite a bit. Um, there'll be massive reform up there. I think um, if you looked at most of the clubs in Europe, if you took away um, a financier they all lose money. So, you know, the game itself is probably a, a button we needed to press to get some form of reform that we you know, we spend the money that we're capable of spending and make it viable because we want for future generations to have a sport that's there and in existence and it's actually competitive. Um, I think that we'd like to retain our best athletes on our shores. We, we do, or we'd like to let them go on our terms when we feel it's appropriate that they've done their, their duty, they've earned the right, and if, it, if afforded the opportunity abroad to get greater money, that's great for them. That's, so it's going through the steps that we actually think that our, our um, conveyor bill of talent, we've got good talent. It's making sure that we keep the talent at the bottom level to ensure the top gets fed. So... There's a bit to go through because, one, we've got to know what money we're allowed to spend for the first bit. That's what we've got to do. So we've got to, um, we've got to solidify our programs with the television rights and the like and get that step uh, and uh, get that step, step covered and then do due process to make sure that it's just not about the now, it's about tomorrow as well. So it's then identifying the talent that we think is part of the solution, keeping it on our shores as possible and having a product that young people aspire to play in. So if we have the product right, we get our part right, it's an easier sell. Yeah. Are you worried that because of the three going that there might be more that 
request a release because of the financial position and the unknown factors around the broadcast deals? Look, um, at the moment, they're the only three that never signed the um, variation of contract. The other near to 190 players did. So they were in their rights. Um, that That's a six-month period. Um, we'd like to think that we've got some things in place in that period that secures that. Um, uh, so I'm sure that the board and the powers that be are attempting to do all that. Um, but as I say, we're not the only one with the issue. Um, so there's been uh, acknowledgement right around the world that uh, whilst we feel the issue because we're living in it, everyone's feeling similar issues. So we're confronting what everyone else has to do and we'd like to think we need to get our place right. right. And part of this is getting a competition structure that we all believe in players want to play and is attractive to the eye. So am I worried at the moment? No. The worry is trying to fill the void of getting the right competition structure for the future of the game. Yeah. And is there anything on the horizon? Sorry, Mickey, I'll just jump in. Is there anything on the horizon there for the Wallabies competition-wise, do you think? Is there, what are, what are you, where are we at with potential test matches in the year? Look, a lot of things have been discussed. Like if you have a look at all the proposals, we've probably had models that we've had since probably March. You know, we've, we've probably thrown out more than are left. Every week, it's such a shifting sands that we're going through at the moment that models are on the table one week and off the table next week. You know, when you consider what we, we as an international game that we should celebrate. When you look at our domestic games, they don't have half as many problems that we have to face. And, but... That, that shouldn't be seen as a negative. It should be seen as a positive. It's what separates our game. And it, even the setup that we're currently going through, we had to go through a lot of border issues with the Sunwolves. Even, even Perth have their own issues. So we've got, we've got to confront a few things um, on that. But we're, we're looking at models that we think can, one, sustain the game. And part of that is international rugby. Um, and obviously the two countries likely to open up their borders first are us and New Zealand. Um, and I think that's a really important step for us. I think the Bledisloe Cup is such a big part of our calendar. And uh, we're fortunate as countries that probably enable us to do that. So I would envisage test matches against them that I could, I could see unless something takes a turn for the negative. I could see that happening and quite a few, which will be good. And we're looking at even a form of bubble in Australia or New Zealand for the Sandsart Nations, because we'd still like the Rugby World Champion, uh, Rugby Championship to, to, to go ahead to. So we need to celebrate that we are an international game. More international fixtures we get demonstrates that. So um, we're doing everything we can to ensure that we have a, uh, a test match calendar this year. Well, you know, if you'd have to have a hub, Jono, that we'd be happy to host it here in Perth, all the four teams, happy to have, have, happy to have them. I'm sure that is the case, um, Mick. So, and I don't think you'd be the only one volunteering for that too. So, um, but it's important. Like, like I said, you know, like we don't, we don't celebrate enough our game, the good qualities of our game. You know, you, we live on a domestic place that celebrates the internal domestic games far more than we, we uh, celebrate the benefits of our sport. And the international game is such a big part of what we are. And we'll be doing everything we can to make sure that we've got content. There's a question we've asked each, each of the guests we've had on, and that's, I'd like to ask you, what is, what is your ideal um, competition structure for Australian teams? Not international, that next level, that's that super state sort of based team. 
competition? Well, like everyone that knows me knows this. I, I work on. Um, there's a few things that go before that because I, I like to get good processes in place first. One, I'd like a global season around the, the world. That's what I'd like to get. I'd like whatever we come up with from a um, global perspective that qu uh, quality of games wins over quantity. I think um, mistakes have been made in the past where we tried to get more content, not probably at the expense of um, the quality of it. And I don't, th we, we don't, we play a physical game that's getting more physical every year. And I think we've spent, and this is a game, this is not Australia I'm talking about, as a game, we spend um, so much time trying to get people to maintain their levels, not attain new targets, because we haven't got the, the time in the calendar. So I would rather work back from good principles of, what I want in a season, really. And what I want a season is probably the right amount of games. And I work back from principles that I think probably 32 games a year, 33 games a year is probably the optimum number that you'd want your athletes to be playing. And that gives them the right recovery, the right, you know, because we have a lot of travel in our game and work backwards from there. If you do the sums of that, and you think that the, the beast that feeds the machine is probably the international game, it, probably looking at that, we need a really positive, um, quick, super type competition. That's what we need. That's well supported and under, uh, underpinned by a really strong club competition. So if we get that, I think that enables us to fit in the right amount of the games. And if I work off that process, then I can start to putting uh, appropriate calendar in place. And so that would probably restrict some of the domestic travel, if you will. Um, and we get a bit punchy. But we also are a big believer that the Sanzar plays an integral role in our competition. I, I'm a big believer in the, the rugby championship. It's the Southern Hemisphere. We should take pride in place. So for wherever we go, we use that as parameters. Whatever competition we design, I want it to be the best in the world. I want it to be the envy of others. So that's the principles I work off. Now it's finding out how we do it. Yeah. You know? So that, that, that super competition, would you, is your preference to make that a trans-Tasman or just domestic? Look I, look, I think, once again, it goes back to being the best competition in the world. And I, I find it very hard to have a best competition, the best competition in the world, without, mm. without New Zealand in it. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, yeah. so, yeah. Uh, so I, if, I work off, if I work off those principles, you know, I... I, I'd, I'd struggle to say that that box is ticked, you know? And, you know, you've got to consider our Sansar partners who have been big for them, uh, big, big in this. And it's important that we acknowledge that, their input. It's their, their, their current world champions. They're doing something well, uh, good as well. So we've got to consider all that. But it's a changing world. But at the premise, as I go back to the original statement, mate, I want the best competition in the world that allows our players the appropriate time to perform. And you know, if you like, I want to be the NBA of the South, you know, where people come in to play an out tournament. That's what I'd love, love it to be, which is probably where Super Rugby was at the start. So, but I think before we get there, we've got to agree on really good, basic, strong principles. And that's where I'm a big believer on that. And I'll see you, I've, got two more, I've got two really quick questions for John O. Mick, if that's yep. okay. Yep. Um, 
law changes, Jono, would you like to see any particular law changes? And there's a bit of chatter around that at the moment. And would you be supportive of um, something like a national draft to spread our talent in Australia? Law changes. Well, firstly, I'm on the World Law Amendment Group, and I think um, probably... 30-second scrums, mate. 30-second scrums. Us backs got to uh, stick together. <laughs> so I'm, I'm on that, and probably they regret putting me on that. But anyway, <laughs> um, that, that's for another day. Um, where, where we're going to be careful, and I, I find myself very conflicted here, um, that the, we've got to be really, really clear. Our strategy's got to consider we've got to make sure the Wallabies are well prepared for international footy. That's what we've got to do. So we can't be playing ping pong and expect them to go out and play international rugby. We can't do that. It's not fair on the athlete and it's not fair on our nation, really. So we've got to be cognizant of that. So I'm very, very mindful of that. And therefore, that, that little chimp on my shoulder that keeps talking to me, I've got to start pushing him off a bit and saying, OK, so um, don't get too fancy here. What I'd like, I, I, I want to trial some certain things. Uh, we trialled it, obviously, um, when it comes to um, concussion. A lot of the statements that were coming out about concussion was, you know, 70% of the tackler was, 70% um, of the time the tackler um, was, was concussed. It wasn't the ball carrier. My issue was why? Why did that happen? Let's look back and see if we can change a law that... Um, that affects it. So hence the reason, if you have a look at, I would argue that the reasons um, the tackler is getting affected is largely through over-tracking. Um, and what causes over-tracking? One of two things for mine, speed off the line or the complete opposite, where they're so isolated, they're just making decisions. So if they're looking at cause and effect, that was why I was trying to, we've trialled the 50-20 and the 20-50 as a trial law to see if we could drop three players back further back and maybe make the defensive line more about line integrity, not line speed. So cause and effect, so could we reward that a little bit? Part of that was, and we trialled line dropouts. I, I felt that held up over the line uh, is the only place in the game where you're rewarded with the ball retention. Um, and I feel that the defence side wasn't earned, hasn't earned, has earned the right to, to get out of jail, if you will. So. We trialled that this year in the NRC. Both those laws we trialled. Um, and I'm pushing for very much so internationally to trial a foul clock similar to basketball, defensive fouls, if you will, where all fouls are counted. By that, I mean all advantages and defensive fouls. So if you're without the ball and if there's multiple advantages, they're all counted. As soon as you reach a certain number, you're off. What, what really annoys me as a spectacle at home you can have three or four fouls in the one play, but it only comes down to one foul. I don't understand that when we're trying to um, change the, the complexity of the game. So I would like to trial things like that to see if it actually changes the intent of the law to see that. Um, we, we, um, we are going to look at a few for this domestic comp, but at the, at, 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 not at the expense of not preparing the players properly. But it'll be down those sort of things. We want it to make it a little bit um, more entertaining. Uh, we know the connoisseurs love the game and we accept that. And I'm one of those. But there's, there can be things that we can trial that we feel may add to the spectacle. So once again, I'm, I'm really encouraged the Australians because we're innovative in that way. 
we want to be at the, the forefront of change. So it's important that we throw everything on the table and discuss it. But like a lot of these law changes, there's unintended consequences. And uh, us coaches are a pain in the ass. We tend to exploit what was well-intended, well-meaning, and then come up with other ways that we're talking about now, you know? So, you know, we've had discussions about no, you know, we had the two, para, two diametrically opposed opinions, no marking or mark from anywhere. You know, you get those discussions. So this is unintended consequences we've got to do, we've got to consider. The scrum's the bane, obviously. The general public don't like it. Uh, we have safety issues that we've got to consider. But it doesn't mean when you look at the law book, the delays in the current scrums shouldn't be allowed by law. So referee law, get on with it. So there's an argument that some of these laws are not being refereed or not being appropriately applied. Let's just apply the law. And what about the player draft idea? Once again, I'm open to all those things. I think um, that's been uh, just briefly discussed as a possibility. I'm not against... This is the time that I think you put everything on the table. To sit there and say no to something is blatantly wrong. Um, it's, let's have a look. Um, there may be some really good ideas with that, you know, like, but I go back to the point too, there is an obligation of all unions to develop their own players. You know, it's, we can't be just expecting two states, if you will, to develop the players for everyone. We can't do that. So there's got to be, whilst the draft in logic sounds good to discuss, there's got to be an obligation that if you're involved in the game, you're in, you're, you have a duty of care and responsibility to develop players as well. Um, and uh, that's got to be acknowledged and it's got to be rewarded. So if a draft comes with compensation for development, I'm not, and there's got to be twos and fro's to be discussed. So simply put, not against anything. All right. And final question for me before we let you go. The Wallaby jersey, is it... Does it mean as much to players as it used to? And, and can we get it to the point where the Wallaby jersey is the pinnacle, not a stepping stone to a, a more expensive contract overseas? Yeah, so look, it's an oversimplification that, um, to state that it isn't because uh, you and I have never played there. And, and when you see that, I can, you know, it's a simplified statement, if you will, that it's not cared. The actions may be different, but the actions are incomparable. Like the big money that you're talking about, life's changed. We wasn't around when we're comparing things, you know. So Certainly wasn't in fourth wrote, grade at Eastwood, Jono. <laughs> but we romance about yesteryear and there's a lot to like about yesteryear, but um, the, the threats or the opportunities, whatever you want to call them, weren't in existence. Yeah. So... It, we've got to be fair with all that. We have to be. Um, I'd like to think that any player that plays for Australia cares. I'd like to think that. Um, if he didn't, I don't think he'd be selected and I think it would be overt. Um, some of the money that uh, is offered is life-changing. It is. It is. And um, we can sit in our ivory tower and point fingers, but we don't. We haven't walked in another man's shoes. But I've seen even the Wallabies last year at the World Cup, to say there wasn't a person caring about trying to win it is untrue. It's unfounded, you know. Um, so we'd like to think that if we get our house in order, we get a competition that's worth playing in, wanting, and is the envy of all. I think that encourages people to want to be here, you know. Um, on a personal bugbear, it frustrates me. Um, our colours are green and gold and we play in yellow, but... 
uh, everyone knows my view on that. Like, if our color, we have two options, play, uh, change our colours or playing gold. So, yep. uh, if we're if we're talking symbolically, I'd like to bring back gold, but um, that's from a personal view. But I, I would think it's an oversimplification, Mick, the scene that people don't care. Um, I think there's greater challenges in the world, greater markets that didn't exist. Um, the people that say to me regularly, why do we change? Why do we do? I note with interest that they're using mobile phones and uh, the, they move with the time in yeah. certain aspects of their life, but don't in all, you know? And so we have this romantic view about it, probably sometimes over a couple of glasses of wine. <laughs> I probably have the same romantic view. But um, the reality is there are greater challenges and we've got to be accepting of that. I think get our house in order, give them something to want to strive for and stay for. And uh, whilst it won't solve all our problems, at least at least admit that we did our bit. Yeah, fantastic. Well, John, mate, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. We, we appreciate your time. I know you've, you've got a fair bit on your plate at the moment. Let's hope we can get the um, media deal sorted out so we know what we're working with and let's get this five-team competition underway because it'd be great for the Western Force to, to be up against those other four teams again. It'd be great fun to watch. Yeah, good. And it's just be nice to be talking about rugby and a positive slant on rugby. You know, I think that we need that. We're a great sport. We're a, um, you know, we should be the envy of other sports in this country. I think we should celebrate our, the best part of our sport, not uh, spend our time criticising it. Yeah, well said. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Jono. All the best. Good on you, guys. Jono. Thanks, Cheers. Guys. Good on you, mate. Thanks, mate. So that was Scott Johnson, the director of, of rugby, and um, he speaks a lot of sense, doesn't he? Yeah, it's great. That was really good to listen to. Um, yeah, you, you can, and again, we've had a lot of passionate people on this, on the rugby wrap over the, the 10 weeks we've been going, Mick, and it's just great to, Scott was able to just spare some time with us, have a chat. Um, a lot of what he talks about makes sense. You know, he's trying to do his job to the best of his ability. You know, there's obviously some issues around finances and broadcast deals that all hinge on him being able to do his job the best he can do. Mm. So, um you can't fold his effort, that's for sure, and you can't no. fold his passion for the game. And I still think Scott Johnson is one of the the best people that we could have at the moment in that role for rugby in Australia. Like yeah. If you look look around, he would be on your shortlist every single time. Yeah, couldn't agree more. That role. Couldn't agree especially, more. Especially as he can, you can see he's an optimist and he's an opportunist through all this as well. So that's someone we need in those high places in Rugby Australia right now with everything that we're traversing. Yeah, very much so. And Tess, that, you know, the, the big press release was announced yesterday. I think it came out about this competition. You know, I mean, your wife told us about us about eight weeks ago, but, but finally it looks like it's going to be happening, but it still all does hinge on this broadcast deal, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's what we're really waiting to see. Um, we know we know just about as much as, you, as everyone else does. Like, we're going to be in the competition, what that entails we're still is still yet to be seen. So Because they you know, keep trying out... They keep throwing out this third of July as the start date for it, but if, yeah. if there's no if there's no money to pay for it, well, you can throw it any date you want. Yeah, well, I think I think that it's a. I think they've clearly said that it'll be the it'll be the working in partnership between Fox and the broadcast deal and News Corp and the Rugby Australia to try and get it going. And the first step in that is actually coming up with a model that everyone agrees on. <laughs> then they've got a product. Then they'll get it. Then they'll get it out there, and then they can start to work towards some test matches. And all of a sudden they can release the next payment with the broadcast deal that's that was due for 2020, which then finances and gets things going. And in the meantime, you'd hope Rob Clark can potentially nail something 
for the future, which he's indicated that is, you know, is progressing quite well. So um, you'd like to think this is just the first positive step to actually seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, um, where, the, where, you know, the 2020 money is going to be released and then the 21 beyond money can start to be worked through. And Tess, there's the talk's been about the hub and you guys moving over east. The any, bubble. Any, the bubble. Any sort of bubble. more news you can <laughs> share on that? Well, the, all we'd been told originally was that there was the potential for that to happen um, and that I think it would more than likely have ended up being in southeast Queensland. Today, the news article said that it'll more than likely be in Sydney. Okay. So um, we're, just, we're basically just waiting to see where it is going to end up. Um, we know that there's a good chance that we will have to relocate for a, for a period of time, how long that period of time is is yet to be seen. Uh, they're just working around how long we'll need to be in isolation for if we do relocate or once we're there, what what, we, what precautions we need to take while we're over there and, and whatnot. So it's still all up in the, it's still up in the air. We, yeah. we, got, we got a green light today, but there's still just as many questions, unfortunately. We're just excited that we've got, we've got, a, we've got a rough date range where not just us, but everyone else, all the other teams in Oz are going to be able to go out there and play a game of rugby again. And people are going to be able to watch it and enjoy it, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I, mean, so. I think I think the reality, Mick, you won't see too many spectators at these games. No. And once the guys go, they probably won't be back for some time um, until the WA border restrictions are lifted. So, yeah. you you know, you, you could end up in some beautiful place like Newcastle. That could be the, the Western Force bubble. You've, you've, oh, yeah. you've had a trial game over there just recently, so you've you've probably got a familiarity with what it's got to offer. Yeah, I think so. the, boy, the boys would be pretty comfortable there. Well, they maybe we'll have to invite a few of them down too. I mean, the the Warriors were training out of Tamworth as well. We've got a bit of history with Tamworth, winning the NRC there for the final a few years back. Good deck there. Not a yeah, yeah. good pie shop as well. Not too far from the motor <laughs> in that we stayed. Yeah. So, <laughs> who knows? The, Brum- the Brumbies could move up the road to Goulburn or something like that. Mick, stay in New yeah. South Wales. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting to see how it all works out. But look, hopefully some decisions will get made because everyone is sticking to actually watch some rugby. And I'm sure you guys as players are, are pretty keen to play. Um, now, tea time with Tess continues to break new ground. Tess, who have we got this week? <laughs> Breaks new ground. I love that. <laughs> uh, this week, this week we've got... Um, he's, he's in his third season with us at the Western Force. He's a small international, played at the World Cup last year. Um, one of our centres, Henry Tofu. Right, we so, uh, sat down earlier and had a chat. So here's Tess with Henry Tafu and Tea Time with Tess. G'day listeners and um, it's time again for this week's episode of Tea Time with Tess. I've been lucky enough to um, have the great man Henry Tafu, Jewel, oh, do, I, do I call you a, cro- a code hopper? Or, oh, no. I mean, you played played a couple. We well, spent a year down with Parramatta playing rugby league, and then came back, saw the light. So maybe not a code hopper. His heart, his heart's always been in Union. And let's be serious, he's always played Union. Um, yeah, the king of Samoa himself, Henry. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Nah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm very lucky to have you on. Um, firstly, I'd also just like to apologise if the um, if the sound quality is a little bit off. Henry and I are recording in my car today. We. We live next door to each other, but we have, both have two children, um, so there's really nowhere quiet. We've, we basically have to drive a few blocks from our house and, and hide in a park because no one's allowed in parks to, to record this, to just get a little bit of time to ourselves. But anyway, we'll crack on straight away. Um, Tafes, uh, let's, let's start at the beginning. Can you give us a little 
little quick spiel on you know how you've ended up here playing rugby for the Western Force. Yeah, so I started up in Brisbane, um, played a couple of years there at Sunnybank. Um, I was in, I went down to rugby league after I finished um, school, and yeah, like you said, I didn't really like it, so I went. Went back, I went back to Sunnybank. I went back to Sunnybank. You know, did a few hard years there, um, playing oh, prems. Very hard years down, <laughs> down the bank. Yeah, I lost a couple of grand finals against UQ, against <laughs> you guys. But um, and I was lucky enough to play NRC for a couple of years, and um, yeah, I picked up a gig with the Reds. Um, spent two years there, and then I sort of um, played for Samoa, and and then I went and played uh, six months in France, and you know that was when the sort of Western forces sort of. You know, um, reforming. Yeah, re reforming, and and um, and then they said, "Oh, if I wanted to come here, and you know, I've been here ever since, and I, you know, I love it here." Mm -hmm. So the um, couple years in NRC as well. I mean, it's a you you ended up playing for the Rams. Yeah. Down in Sydney, yeah. Brisbane before playing. Did you have you got some caps for us with the force, or have you always been on holiday? <laughs> no, I played the the uh, 2018. So I played yeah. that year, and then I, um, yeah, no, I was having holidays last year. So. <laughs> <laughs> a little holiday. I will touch on that holiday that you had yeah. a little bit later. But um, so you, this is your third year, third yeah. season with the Force. What, what's been your best experience so far with the team? Um, oh, there's been a few. Like for me, coming here and, and experiencing, you know, the sea of blue. Like you probably don't really, you know, get that much out. Like you know, I was at the Reds, and I certainly didn't feel, you know. The, the game they experience that we feel here mm. you know we're pretty lucky to have that many supporters um and then just the environment you know i think um it's one of my favorite environments you know teams to be around you know everyone sort of loves going to work and um you know i think that for me just loving going to work and um like most people that come here you all we all come here as sort of battlers and you know we all f sort of find our feet here and, and that's certainly the case for me yeah i mean absolutely agree like a it's it's been over the last couple of years that we've managed to get a, a greater uh, number of homegrown Perth yeah. players or WA players in the team. I think it's nearly up to a third now. But in the years leading to that, after we were kind of taken out of Super Rugby, it was a bit of a reset button where we did have to get people from all over for the right reasons. Fortunately, as well, I think that's what makes it easier when we all come together and we're working for the same cause. Yeah, um. So what's the best thing you've discovered about Perth outside of um, of rugby? Or not Perth, maybe. It can just be WA or wherever. Um, Preferably on the West Coast, though, not wherever. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, look, with the young kids, um, you know, most of your time is sort of taken up there, but I really enjoyed like, going down south. Um, you know, Margaret River's a real nice place. I really like the Swan Valley. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, it's only 45 minutes away. Yeah, to, so, to be closer. Yeah, so on a weekend we got nothing to do. I think that's one of my favourite spots and the uh, Margaret River Chocolate Factory. Uh, Ooh, pretty, you heard. Pretty, you yeah, heard. Yeah, <laughs> a pretty good spot over there too. And they uh, used to give away free chocolate. So, <laughs> they don't have the samples anymore? No, nah, because of COVID. They oh, gee, so. I yeah. knew there was a reason I didn't stop in there yeah, last week. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, Swan Valley is, yeah. It's 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 a brilliant spot as well, but it's probably uh, it's a cheaper Uber ride home if you end up out there with a few ciders or a few wines under your belt, than going down to Market River, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, so what else? So you mentioned the um, you mentioned your kids there as well. Do you mind giving us a got little Tilly and little Leo? What do they love doing as well? Yeah, so we've got a, a one and um, well, they're going to be two and, and two four and here. Yeah. So it's know. perfect for us. Sorry to cut you off because you know you've got a girl that's a year older than my girl and. A boy that's a year older than my boy, yeah. so 
those little hand-me-down clothes just keep popping over the fence <laughs> nicely. I think we need to we need to start giving you money for what when you guys are buying your kids' clothes. Yeah, well, they grow they grow up they real quickly. Like every year, you gotta buy new clothes. But um, no, I think it's been a bit it's been a bit tough to, to all this you know the the COVID stuff and and, and being in isolation. But you know, they're back at daycare now and um, yeah, they're just full of energy. Like. Um, we don't get much sleep at night sometimes, but <laughs> hopefully it's all worth it in the end. Yeah, it definitely will be. What about um, any Adventure World trips then? I know the kids love Adventure World. Is that is that able, are we able to get down there again yet or no? Nah, they're still, yeah. So that was one of the things that we did. Um, yeah, we bought a season pass and we used to go there every, every, every weekend. And um, uh, they haven't opened it yet. I think they're giving away half price tickets for next year. So okay. when they come out, we'll do a first time. Jump straight up. back on that. Yeah. <laughs> they can't open it just for 20 people, perhaps. No. Oh. It'd be nice to have a big, huge, big theme park yeah. to yourself with just We're, about 20 people. It wouldn't be, yeah. No, hopefully. Maybe just antiseptic running down those water slides. <laughs> you need a lot of um, sanitizer. <laughs> okay, so we've... Um, We've just been given the all clear today to be, we're going to be playing in this new Super Rugby comp. Um, you, we've, okay, we might, so we're not sure whether or not we're going to have to go into a hub, whether or not we're going to have to travel to the East Coast, spend a few weeks over there. Whether we're doing that or whether we're just going to Sydney to play the Tars for a weekend. If you, you've landed down in Coogee, say, we've gone to the Crown Plaza, you open the door to your room. Who do you see sitting there that you just fist pump and you just super pumped that you, that is sitting there? Oh, there's a few. Look, I don't. I, don't, I have. A, I have had a few, a couple of good roomies. Um, so I think um, Mars and a couple of the boys are, are quite handy. Nice. I don't mind. I don't mind who who I get. To good. Be honest. Yeah, probably. There's probably only a couple of that I'll probably try and stay away from. It doesn't really matter because you're just catching up on sleep the whole time. Anyway. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. It's a, it's a, I always get told. Um, Whenever we go away, I'm going on a holiday. So, yeah, it's uh, 12 hours sleeps and not much else happening inside, uh, inside the game. Got to tell Sarah, those are the hardest ones when yeah. you just go away and you start getting a few good nights sleep and then having to adjust back into it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay, well, you mentioned that you've had a few bad ones as well. Yeah. Who do you open the door to your room and your shoulders slump? Oh, probably AJ or, or probably, probably Lace. Probably AJ because you, um, you wake up in the morning and he's got the music going on at like 7 o'clock in the morning and you're trying to sleep oh. in, you know, like... One of those especially, guys, that, yeah. especially you. Just got, just got poor sort of roommate etiquette. No etiquette at all. Yeah, no etiquette. Pumping the beats. Yeah, and um, I probably. Lacey, does Lacey need an explanation or? Oh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, give me. I like. I'd like one though. Give me one. Give me something. Nah, I like. There's a few guys in the team, as you know, but Lacey's just one of those guys. You know, you don't know when you wake up if he's going to be in a good mood or if he's going to be cranky. You know. <laughs> I bet sometimes he's good, sometimes he's, just, yeah, he's a bit So cranky. you can't sleep in with him because you've got to wake up to get out of the room before he does. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, right, so moving on like onto maybe a little bit more positive in the team, who's someone that you um, you really respect in our group or admire? Oh, there's a, oh, there's a, few, there's a few guys, you know. Obviously, we've got a, a mixture of both young and old and, um, you know, in, in my position, certainly in the centres, I really enjoy, um, you know, playing and, and sort of watching how Marcel sort of goes about his work, you know. Yeah. He's um, he's a real leader in our team and I think, um, you know, just the way, just the way he carries himself, I think, you know, there's a lot to be, to be admired. 
a few, a few of the young guys as well. You know, really, really, um, you know, I, li I like the way sort of the young guys that have come in, like like Ronnie and that, and you know, they come in and they re they work really hard. Um, you know, and I think, yeah, like like I said before, we've got a really good mixture of um, of guys, and I think yeah, putting us putting us in um, in good stead going into this new you know, this new comp. And especially guys, yeah, like you mentioned, like Ronnie, who they can come in and they've got quite mature heads as well. But they're like someone like him is fortunate enough to have someone like Marcel and someone like yourself as well in similar positions that they can they can watch and learn off and just absorb. Yeah, um, okay, so we'll just we'll whip through a few little quick questions here. What's your uh, what's your favourite movie? Um, oh, one I've I've always had was was the Gladiator. So, classic <laughs> oh yeah can't so, fault it though so it's one that I, wa I remember watching it when I was young um, this was before we moved from Samoa and I couldn't really understand it and then you know I just how always... young are you then <laughs> oh. so I remember watching it and, I, and then watching it again like you know I'm watching it back and, and you know every time you watch it there's always something that you miss so what's your fa what's your favourite scene uh, probably the one where you know um, picks up the sand and he's like what's your name <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be an actor. I'm Come an actor. on. <laughs> All right. Well, what about your favourite book then? We'll move on from. Um, we'll move on from Russ. Oh, the few. I don't mind a couple, a couple of thrillers, but um, probably, mm. probably. Um, I, I like uh, Warren Buffett. Just, I'm mm. like, getting into sort of. I'm not getting into, but I, so the finance sort of stuff and yep. and just investing. And I like the way, you know, how he's he's built. You know, he's come from nothing. Like, well, yeah, he's built his company from nothing. And oh, me, he's yeah, built. He's built a fair world. bit there as well, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't mind that read. I think it's a good read. Yeah. Um, and what about what about your fiction then? What are you reading? A thriller? Who do you see? Who do you see on the shelf that you've just got to grab their book? Oh, put me on the spot. Anyone, anyone in particular, or or just anything that keeps you up, keeps you up all night, or if you're up all night anyway. Yeah, I'm up all night <laughs> anyway. But, Oh. That you can't put down. No, I got nothing on. No one specific. No one particular. <laughs> Just love the genre. Yeah. What about um? Well, what about uh, your favorite concert or favorite band? Or they oh, can be both or one or the other. Or... You're gonna get me here, but um, oh. I, haven't, I haven't been to many. But yeah. my favorite one was when my missus took me to Beyonce before <laughs> <laughs> before we had kids, and uh, that's probably the only one I can remember. Well, <laughs> gosh, you'd probably end up with some kids after the Beyonce concert. Yeah. Eh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this would have been about six or seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. A while back. And more just because you just love her music so much. Yeah, just just the music. You just, just close your eyes. Yeah, great, a great not, show. Not look at it. Just to sit there and enjoy the music yeah, with I'll your just, eyes closed. That's it. Okay, sure. <laughs> Don't put that in there. Oh, Sarah knew what she was doing. She's a smart girl. Now, what's your... Um, <laughs> so, what was, what was your first job? Uh, when I was in school, I, was, um, I worked at Macca's. Beauty. Yeah. What was the what was the discount there as well while you were working at Macca's? Did you get a discount? Uh, well, you did. You, you got a discount, but if you're working out at the back making a burgers, because you, back then you whip on yourself and you sort of you know go to the team room and, and have a burger. So just knock about five five, five finger discount. <laughs> That's a good discount. Yeah. That one. Uh, what about your dream job? Yeah. Look, I think once it's all you know rugby's over, and obviously it's yeah it's a dream job for. You know, for many, but um, you know, something that oh, trying trying to get into, you know, probably you know, like, like get into finance or something like that. Like, if, yeah. I've got I've got dreams of um, you know when rugby's over of you know living somewhere, you know, whether that be 
um, you know, taking the kids to some war for a year or yeah. living overseas, but work, yeah, doing something that, you know, you can, you sort of work from, from being around the world. Yeah, you just need your laptop and you can park up. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, I don't know what that job, job is, but something that can, yeah, allow me to travel for a year. That'll be awesome. Yeah. That'll be the dream. That's the dream. The absolute dream. <laughs> okay, so the, um, a lot of the lockdowns are starting to ease up. The pubs are open, but um, you know we're we're doing the right thing by this competition, so we're not going to pubs and we're not having beers. I mean, just to not only to avoid coronavirus, but because it's the professional thing to do yeah. as well. When um, when the comp's over, when it's when the postseason begins, and we're allowed to happily sit in a pub and sip on a pint, yeah. what's uh, what pub are you going to go to, and what's your first beer going to be? Oh, probably. Subiaco Hotel, Ooh, just, uh, local. Just the local up the road, or the or the Vic Hotel, one of those two. Mm. One week and week week and you know sort of walk walk home. <laughs> <laughs> it's all uphill though from that Subi Hotel. Yeah, but uh, I think I think we're all looking forward to you know having a, a just a just a quiet beer, you know, especially a good social with the boys. Yeah, and that's it. You know, um, I think we all gone through a bit of tough times, but. Uh, looking forward to when everything sort of you know goes back to normal. Yeah, whatever whatever that normal may be. Now we mentioned um, we mentioned as well you usually going on holiday at the end of uh, of every year. We'll make sure that we note that it's just you going on holiday yourself. It's not your family going on holiday. Your holiday at the end of last year. Um, <laughs> how many weeks did you spend away? Oh, look, I wasn't counting, but apparently... Um, <laughs> I'll ask uh, your wife then. She yeah, definitely she knows. Kept, she keeps saying that I was away for three and a half months or so. <laughs> Quite a quite a, a bit of a holiday there, but and that was of course uh, spending most of that time in Japan representing Samoa at the World Cup. How was how was that experience for you? I mean, try to sum it up. Yeah, well, <laughs> look, um, yeah, it was it was unreal. You know, just how you know how big the country is and how many people got involved. You know, every town that we went to, um, they all you know got behind. Uh, you know, we're a small country and they all got behind us. Um, every game that we played was all, you know, was all packed out. I remember that Japan game, especially, and, you know, the whole stadium was full. I mean, there was like 50,000 people there. So I think it was one of those, you know, once-in-a-lifetime, you know, opportunity that, you know, I was, I was very grateful and very fortunate I was I was able to play, you know. And, um, yeah, it, my missus thinks it was a lot of, it was a lot of hard work there. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of hard work in the lead-up to that. And I've seen what some of you guys were doing with, with your training squads, especially, uh, yeah. You guys spent a bit of time over in the islands as well, didn't you, in the lead-in? Yeah, so we did um, We did two weeks in, in Fiji and a couple of weeks in Samoa in New Zealand. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a grind. Um, and then um, we, we, yeah, played the Wallabies before we went, Wallabies yep. before we went over to, yeah, to Japan. So All worthwhile in the end, though. I mean, that, that World Cup, it's probably, uh, as much as we even enjoyed the, the one here in Australia, that World Cup's probably one of the best World Cups I've ever seen. As far as the support from the yeah. fans, like you mentioned, and just how it was run and the facilities, it yeah, it was a brilliant opportunity to be a part of it. But hopefully, four years time, it's not a it's not a one off opportunity. It's not a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. Hopefully you go again. Yeah, that's the dream. Hopefully I'm not legs are still still got my legs. Late. <laughs> yeah, we be thirty then, so hopefully I'm still. Oh, old bull. Okay. Have to take him out the back. <laughs> Beautiful. Righto, Henry. Well, two truths and a lie. Henry, give our listeners exactly that. Two truths and a lie. So, number one, 
I live next door to Heath, Heath Tessman. Who? <laughs> <laughs> We're neighbours. Yeah. You sure? Number two. Uh, I've, I come from a family of 12. And number three, I didn't start learning English, learning to speak English till I was nine. Learning to speak English? Speak <laughs> <laughs> you might have sold that one too much. Yeah. Uh, okay, so <laughs> there we have it. Two of those is the truth, one of them is a lie. Head to the uh, Rugby Rap Facebook page to cast your votes on that. Um, number one, Tapes and I live next door to each other. Number two, comes from a family of how many? How big is your family? Twelve. Of twelve. Uh, or number three, he didn't start speaking English until he was nine years old. Head to the Rugby Rap Facebook page and cast your vote. I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, thanks very much for coming on to uh, to Tea Time with Tess. We really appreciate your time. And I know the listeners do as well. And we're, we can't wait to see you uh, out on the field playing against those other super teams as soon as possible. Yeah, beauty. Thanks for having me. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that was Tea Time with Tess with Henry Tafu and, and he's been very good for the Western Force, hasn't he, Mitch? I know you're certainly a fan. Yeah, I am, Mick. And um, it's just great that the Western Force has been able to retain a player of his calibre and his experience. You know, he's got international experience. Um, he's been, he's been a, uh, a really good, consistent performer in the midfield there for the Force. And uh, Tess, I believe he's an all-round good bloke too. To go go with that. Yeah, I mean he's an excellent human being, and we're I mean we're fortunate having guys like him. When you look through our inside backs, like outside of Ian, who's our leader, then we've got someone like AJ Alatimu who went to the World Cup last year. Henry as well went to the World Cup last year. Marcel Brashy, like we've got a lot of experienced guys there, matched up with the youth of some of our faster, younger guys out out on the edges too. So. A lot of those young blokes are pretty lucky to have such experienced, calm heads through that midfield and help them out. And that's why and I like to think. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry but you'd like to think that someone like Henry is going to be able to match it pretty well when we get to this domestic comp, when he's uh, coming up against some of the other players from the other states. So, you know, you got you got an international there in the midfield. Yeah, and I think I think Henry's game is growing so well as well. Like he he came here as a real crash and bash twelve, who's who's really going to get us over the advantage line, but he's added so much to his, so much more finesse to his game. He's got a lot more, like a lot more we can use him for from his passing point of view, his kicking games developing. And he kicked for some at the World Cup, but he, he doesn't even get a look in for us. So we go deep with all of our goal kickers as well. So we're really fortunate to have someone of his skill here. Yeah, that's what Mitch had cut. Well, I was going to say, it's just exciting to think that you're going to have Tofu up against those players from the Brumbies, New South Wales, Melbourne and, uh, and Queensland. So it's, um, it's, it's an exciting time. And, you know, you look at him and then Jeremy Thrush last week, the Western Force, I reckon they're real smoky. They've got some real talent that I think a lot of the East, East Coast teams and supporters won't really be expecting. Yeah, we'll, keep, we'll keep that all between us three here, OK? And they've got we the Wallaby in waiting. Yeah. Wallaby in waiting. Heath Tessman. Wallaby in waiting. Scott Johnson keep said. <laughs> yeah, keep the underdog status. Yeah. Yes, I reckon that's the way to go. I think that's what we've always wanted to see. We, you know, we walk quietly but carry a big stick, so... That's how we like to, to go about our work. They, you know, there'll be a lot, a lot of things said leading into the competition, particularly around our re-involvement. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of emotions with us being back involved in the competition. But I think at the end of the day, we've, we've got a very different squad to what we had a few years back. And, and we're just excited about testing ourselves against those guys. And we, we'll just keep going about our work until, until the, the time comes for us to show what we, we've got.
Yeah, I know the sea of blue will be right behind you all. Well, that about wraps us up again. A big thank you to the telecomshop.com for the headsets. And a reminder, if you've got any questions or comments, you can put them at on Twitter to rugby underscore rap or at the rugby rap on Facebook. So Mitch, thanks again for your time. No, it's great tonight. Good to have Scott Johnson on, mate. And I'm looking forward to uh, next week's show as well. Yeah, and who have we got next week? Uh, so we've got Mike Rogers from the Bay of Plenty next week. Uh, so he'll be able to talk about the relationship between Bay of Plenty and the, and the Shanghai team. Um, and also with the New Zealand comp kicking off on the 13th of June, we can get a bit of a preview on, on what's happening over in New Zealand rugby, which will be great to uh, mix it up. Yeah, fantastic. And Tess, always good to catch up with you. All the best with your training during the week and the lead up to the big competition, whenever it may start. Yeah, thank you, gents. We're, we'll have another week of training under our belt next week. So, um, you know, I'll probably be a little bit more battered and bruised because unfortunately <laughs> they've given the all clear for us to do some contact work. Did you have um, testing, this, testing this week, Tess, after your holiday? Uh, I think the weather might have saved us, actually. So <laughs> we're still walking around with that piano on the wire just sitting above our head. It'll, it'll get pulled out, that Joker card, at some point in time over the next few weeks. <laughs> wait for it. Wait, for, wait to see it. All right. And a bit, again, a big thank you to, to Scott Johnson. And thanks to you for listening. And we'll catch you next week on the Rugby Wrap.